Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. And something that really stuck out to me was that more often than not, the inpatient palliative care team is the one who has the first ever goals of care conversation and serious illness planning conversation with these patients. So not the primary care physician, nor the oncologist, nor any other specialty physician. So this was really intriguing to me as it seemed counterintuitive, right? So I truly felt if these conversations would have happened sooner, the patient may have had a better quality of life. episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Ravnisa Verma, co-founder of Cara Health. Cara Health is an up-and-coming health and technology company that focuses on the chronically ill, with a big focus on palliative care. You'll learn a lot about Ravnisa, including how she started nursing school as a young 17-year-old, and how she grew up in a four-generation household. Today's episode will shed some light on the current state of palliative care and the future of how CARA is going to make an impact on thousands of lives, not just here in California, but nationally and maybe one day globally. We hope you enjoy today's episode. And if you do, feel free to check out more episodes on pophealthpodcast.com and leave a review on iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify and Stitcher. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the show. So, Rob Misa, can you tell us something about yourself that may surprise the audience? Maybe something outside of the workplace? Uh, well, um, certainly the best fact about my life is that I have a very sassy, almost eight-month-old baby. Uh, her name is Anaya. Uh, it's funny timing, actually. Devin, my co-founder and also CEO of our company, and I started Car Health in 2017, and just as things really started taking off in the spring of 2018, I found out I was pregnant. Um, so I guess I actually have two babies, Anaya <laughs> and Kara. Nice. That's funny. Uh, the, one of the founders of the, uh, the podcast, Ryan Iwamoto, also uh, says the same thing you do. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, now, what a coincidence. Um, now, your baby, um, Anaya, mm-hmm. may I ask how you came up with a name? Sure. Actually, my husband picked her name. Um, We are a fan of the double A. So her name is spelled A-A-N-A-Y-A. I know it's a lot of A's, but um, he picked her name. And what it means is um, God has shown favor and one without a superior. So uh, really beautiful meaning. And we felt it was appropriate. Uh, He think he actually picked her name I must have been only two or three months pregnant at the time. Okay, so it's yeah. his idea, but you said, hey, that sounds good. Oh, I loved it from the get-go. Have you met another Anaya before? I have not. Um, I have met variations of Anaya, <laughs> but never one, you know, with that exact spelling. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, a shout-out to your husband, then. Well done. <laughs> Very good. So you have an eight-month-old eight at home. And we're actually recording today in Irvine, California, not too far from your home. And also um, your actual office is actually, uh, you have off in Beverly Hills, I believe, correct? Right. So um, Car Health, our company is headquartered in Beverly Hills. Um, but 
I currently live in Irvine, so I have a remote location out here. Uh, our clinical care team really is spread out across Southern California, given the services that we provide. Okay. Uh, but we are headquartered in Beverly Hills. Okay. Well, she does have a great office here in Irvine as well, where we're recording. It's uh, got a great conference room today, so thanks for setting this up at your sure. Irvine location. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background, kind of growing up, where you grew up, and how you ended up getting into healthcare? Well, so I am a native to Southern California. I grew up in Diamond Bar, so that's about 30 minutes away from here. It's more inland. Um, in terms of how did I get into healthcare, uh, I went to the UCLA School of Nursing undergraduate program for a bachelor's in science with a major in nursing. Uh, so I was 17 when I started the program, which as you can imagine, is a tricky age to have to decide on your future career. So I was actually hesitant to even apply for this very competitive program. I mean, there were only 50-ish seats with thousands and thousands of applicants, and it was one of two of UCLA's undergraduate professional schools. So the other one is um, the School of Engineering. Um, so my parents strongly encouraged me to apply, uh, particularly my mom. Uh, she has actually been my inspiration. Uh, and a little bit about that is, so our family is Indian. And during my mom's time, women, especially minority women, were not given the opportunity for higher education, let alone to become a CEO and a business owner. So she not just broke, but actually shattered glass ceilings, and she did so while become while being an amazing mother to my two brothers and myself, uh, a wife and a daughter-in-law, living in a four-generation household. So Whoa. all of this in Diamond Bar, California, um, and so she truly is superwoman. Um, she taught me the importance of having a professional career, being able to stand on your own two feet, and um, not having to really depend on anybody else. So. Long story short, uh, I begrudgingly applied to UCLA and somehow was selected for this incredible program and began my journey. So one of the best decisions I've ever made, and I have to thank my parents for that. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I have to go back to the four-generation household. So to confirm, when you were a child, you lived with your parents. Right. And a grandparent. Right. And a great-grandparent. Correct. Yeah, so we had my great-grandmother, uh, my grandparents, my parents, myself, my two brothers, um, and at one point, actually, my we, we were living also with my dad's brother and his family as well. So there was a lot of us. It was a very busy household growing up, uh, a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I bet you when you had get-togethers, I mean, I guess you always had a get-together. Right. Every night was a get-together. <laughs> yes. So it's funny. I, I mean, I bet you looking back, even though like you might have had moments of, man, I want my space or I want my freedom. I bet you you look back and are glad. I, I mean, I would assume glad you lived that life growing up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And definitely when, you know, I'm sure when I was 10 years old, it wasn't ideal always having to share everything. But looking back on it, I mean, I couldn't have imagined it any differently. That's pretty cool. If anyone else has lived in a four generation household while growing up, email me Gavin at Pop Health Podcast and I'll have a prize for you, assuming you're telling the truth. <laughs> I want to hear a paragraph on your story and mention that you heard us uh, on today's episode with Ravanisa Verma from Cara Health. And uh, again, Gavin at popupthepodcast.com. You got to tell me your story and that uh, you were listening to this show. 
So I don't give away free stuff too often, but your story, uh, I'm curious if anyone else has had that experience. Have you met anybody else who grew up in a four-generation household? It's really rare, and uh, you know, I consider myself to be very blessed to have had that experience. It really was beautiful. Awesome, awesome. So at what point growing up, I know you went to UCLA at age 17, when did you decide you want to be a nurse? When did you start thinking about becoming a nurse? Um, that's a really great question. Uh, so I never actually considered it. My original plan was to go to USC, major in kinesiology and become a physical therapist, um, which I did get into USC also. So it was kind of a tough battle at the end to pick between UCLA and USC. Um, so I decided to really become a nurse um, because, as I mentioned before, my mom, I mean, my parents um, are entrepreneurs, immigrant um, entrepreneurs, actually, and they um, have brick and mortar home health and hospice companies. And my mom, as the CEO um, of those companies, she really inspired me to have a professional licensure in some capacity and obviously for her nursing was huge i'm um, not that she is a nurse but she will fool anybody yeah. <laughs> um very healthcare savvy um so she kind of really encouraged me to do so i gave it a shot and you know never looked back okay awesome so you become a nurse um now in today's episode we're really going to focus on palliative care mm-hmm. and i was curious when so you'd you be doing nursing school While you started nursing school, did you even know what palliative care was at the beginning? I did not. During my uh, very first rotation in nursing school, uh, which was supposed to be on a med surge unit, I was selected as one of two students to actually be on the oncology unit at Torrance Memorial Medical Center. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I immediately fell in love with oncology uh, to the point where uh, my focus specialty in my final rotation, so prior to graduation, was at Cedars-Sinai on the oncology, hematology, and stem cell transplant unit. Yeah. So while I was there at Cedars, I had my first exposure to inpatient palliative care. And something that really stuck out to me was that more often than not, the inpatient palliative care team is the one who has the first ever goals of care conversation and serious illness planning conversation with these patients. So not the primary care physician nor the oncologist nor any other specialty physician. So this was really intriguing to me as it seemed counterintuitive, right? So I truly felt if these conversations would have happened sooner, the patient may have had a better quality of life. Um, I know that if it was me or a loved one, I would have wanted to have this conversation when I'm feeling well and healthy and comfortable, not necessarily when I'm hospitalized. So my experience on this unit was really unforgettable. I still remember every encounter with every single patient at Cedars, and I knew that at some point in my career, I wanted to be involved in palliative care and chronic disease management specifically. Okay, awesome. And so you become a nurse, you get out there. Mm -hmm. When did the inspiration of CARA Health come about? So if I back it up a little bit, kind of, Along the lines of everything we've been talking about today, so uh, Devin Amatoj, who are my two brothers, and I, we grew up in the post-acute world. So as I mentioned before, we are the children of immigrant entrepreneurs in the hospice and home health space. So in 2014, I attended the Harvard School of Medicine's Practical Aspects of Palliative Care Seminar, and I was able to 
gain a deeper understanding of the needs of the chronically ill patients in our country, as well as receive training on the Serious Illness Conversation Guide, which is a step-by-step algorithm that utilizes patient-tested language and evidence-based practice on how to conduct those goals of care conversations I was speaking about earlier. Okay. So the wheels started to turn in my head, and I knew I wanted to be involved in this space in some capacity. So I came back to California. We put on our thinking caps. Uh, We recognized that there's a serious problem in healthcare. So there's a large percentage of patients who are just falling through the cracks. And these patients are chronically ill. They end up utilizing the ER for a primary, uh, you know, for for, for their primary care needs, I should say, uh, when they really don't have to. And the statistics are staggering. I mean, there's an average of ten to $12,000 per beneficiary per month in traditional Medicare spending in the last three months of life. And 5% of the population account for 50% of the national health care spend. Uh, 25% of all health spending happens in the last year of life. And the most telling statistic of all is that 80% of seniors wish to die at home, yet only 20% actually do. So we have all of this data and yet no solution. Yeah. So before you continue, mm-hmm. we have to take a short break. And I'd like to hear more about your inspiration and the inspiration behind Cara as soon as we get back from the break. Sound good? Perfect. All right, folks. Well, Ravnisa Verma is our guest. We will be right back. Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. All right, folks. Welcome back from the break. Now, Ravnisa was sharing a little bit about the inspiration uh, behind Cara, and uh, we had to take a short break. So I'd like Ravnisa to maybe uh, continue her story. Yeah, definitely. So we were talking a little bit about all of the staggering statistics and the data uh, surrounding Medicare spend with our chronically ill population and the fact that we don't have a solution or I should say, we didn't have a solution until us, right? So my brothers and I have worked in every single position and desk of a traditional brick-and-mortar hospice and home health company, and this knowledge of the operations A to Z is really what enabled us to leverage automation and machine learning to replace traditional overhead. So we took our experience in traditional home-based care and combined it with our homegrown technology to create Cara Health. So our disruptive solution is through excellent face-to-face clinical services, a thorough needs assessment, an advanced care planning program, coordination of cost-effective interventions and support in the home, 24-7 live nursing support for our patients, and proprietary machine learning and artificial intelligence software. We have been able to reduce medical spending in the last year of life by 20%. Wow. Does not sound like an easy task. So may I ask, how is this all funded? Like, how do patients pay for CARA's services? Well, uh, we are completely bootstrapped, so we have no investors as a company. And in regards to our patients for a clinical care delivery side, um, all of our clinical care delivery services are covered 100% by the patient's health plan. So it's at zero cost to the patient. There's no out-of-pocket expense. We never bill a patient for anything. Wow, that's impressive. Now, you mentioned earlier that um, going back to Cara's, uh, I guess, development itself as a company, 
uh, bootstrapped. Um, I've interacted with your brother. I know your brother. And I think your initial success as a, as a company has actually um, made some waves. I think he was uh, nominated uh, to be like by the Los Angeles Business Journal and was a finalist recently at a... Uh, he was. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, he was. He was um, He was recently nominated and, and became a finalist for the LA Business Journal um, Healthcare Executive of Awards, um, which I think it was a, a week or so ago. Yeah, from the recording. Yeah, I think it was about a week or so ago. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah, it was a great experience and we are very honored that he was nominated. He absolutely deserved it. Um, and young, you know, young guy too. Very young. <laughs> uh, we're, we're a young team. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> team of millennials. Uh-oh. <laughs> millennials in palliative care. Who would have thought? Who would I know. Seen today? Yeah. I know. Nice. That's awesome. So, um, so if I'm a CARA patient, I don't have to pay a dime for the services I receive is what pretty much you said, right? Yep, that's correct. We are part of your uh, benefit. So the premium that you pay every month, you might as well use our services. We're already included. Okay, awesome. So I think most of the audience are healthcare professionals and I think majority probably have heard of palliative care or maybe some of us, I'm raising my hand here, think I know palliative care, but I probably really don't. So could you maybe spend a, a moment to explain really what is palliative care? Sure. So palliative care is patient and family-centered care that prioritizes quality of life by anticipating, preventing, and treating symptoms associated with serious illness. It addresses a patient's physical, intellectual, emotional, social, and spiritual needs. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of misunderstanding surrounding palliative care. So oftentimes, the community, including other healthcare providers, consider palliative care and hospice to be synonymous. Um, from the world we come from, uh, hospices were and still are claiming they provide palliative care services in order to transition patients to hospice faster and without having to use the word hospice. So uh, from our perspective, that's very disingenuous and we can't really believe that this practice still exists. But our, our company is unique in that we believe that palliative care should actually be initiated upon the point of diagnosis of any chronic or serious illness. So we treat a very large spectrum of patients. Um, we have patients from the early stages of their disease process all the way through to the advanced progression and end stage of their disease process. Wow. So in order to receive palliative care services, it's not like the end is near or anything like that, correct? No, not necessarily. And in fact, we encourage patients to accept palliative care and supportive care services uh, at the point of diagnosis you know, or even start to learn about it ahead of time, right? So even if you're considering it for your loved ones, it should really be part of your goals of care conversation if and when that need arises. Uh, the beauty of palliative care is that we can support you through your entire treatment plan. So it's not only for when the end of life portion comes up or whenever you're considering transitioning over to hospice. At that point, you've, you're receiving the benefits of palliative care, but you're not really getting everything that you could have been receiving prior, right? So in terms of dealing with symptom exacerbation and, and providing those interventions in the home that really keep the patients healthier at home and out of that ER, avoiding inpatient stays when they don't have to, and, and making sure that we have positive patient outcomes. I mean, really, that's our focus. Okay, great. Now, um, if I'm a patient at my home, would I and I am receiving services in my home? Would I know if I'm seeing a Cara Health person? 
Like, do they wear name tags like it says Cara Hell? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you would know. Um, you would know who is servicing you. Okay. Um, and we always have an entire engagement process prior to actually treating the patient. Okay. Awesome. Are there a lot of companies like Cara Health out there? Uh, that's a tricky question. There's, there's definitely a lot of companies who do aspects of what we do. Um, not to the level of which we do it and not um, as an all-in-one services. So we are actually a technology and healthcare services company. So we're not solely on the clinical care delivery side and we're not solely on the technology side. We combine both of them in order to to provide a service to the community. Uh, so we partner with health plans, health systems, physician organizations, home-based care providers, uh, looking to better control quality experience and cost uh, through strategic use of home-based care. Okay, cool. Yeah. And what areas are you guys serving today? So today we serve Southern California. Uh, tomorrow we can serve all of California and hopefully, you know, throughout the nation and then globally. So we have, we, we have big aspirations for our company. Wow, that's pretty good. Um, okay, so I always like to hear stories. Can you give us an, a, maybe a patient example um, of how they've used CARA and how it's benefited their life? Sure, I can give you a few different patient examples, uh, you know, I won't use patient names, of course, uh, but for example, we have Mr. John Smith, who was referred to us through his health plan uh, because he has been to the ER three times in the past two months, all for falls. Nobody can figure out why. He lives alone. His family doesn't understand. We send our team out there, and it looks like he really needs a lot more support at home, possibly the use of caregiving services, possibly the use of additional social worker services, but for a more practical and functional aspect, he probably needs an assistive device to assist him with ambulation. So our team can get in there and get him what he needs in terms of his medical equipment much faster than if it was any other sort of provider. And that's just really the arrangement we have with our health plan partners is we have direct access to the health plan to get to override certain things like authorizations and your normal process that you would have to go through if you are not part of the program. So we were able to get him his assistive device and he has not been to the ER since. And it has been I would say eight months since we've admitted him. So that's a really kind of simple, easy to understand example. And then we have more complex examples of, uh, you know, let me just back up for one second. Our primary demographic, interestingly enough, is actually uh, people aged between 41 and 60. Okay, so it's a little bit of a younger population, which has its own challenges. So with that comes in mind, you have a younger population. Oftentimes they're married. Oftentimes they have young children. And providing that type of support and psychosocial benefit through our clinical therapy program is huge. So we we focus in on a lot of different demographics and we have uh, program-specific interventions depending on if a patient lives alone, the type of disease process they have, whether there's young children involved, whether they need our spiritual services. We have an entire nutrition program. So there's so many different things that we provide for our patients that uh, make us unique as a program. Okay, gotcha. And I know you've explained what palliative care is earlier in the show, but if I'm a patient and 
what's the easiest way for me to understand if I need home health services, if I need hospice services, or if palliative care? And again, forgive me if you kind of explained this earlier, but I want the audience and myself to really understand how I know what I need. Sure, that's uh, no problem at all. It's very confusing. Um, So hopefully I can clear it up in a few simple words. So home health services, those are really intermittent skilled services. So if you have a wound and the wound needs ongoing care by a skilled nurse, that would be appropriate for home health. If you need in-home physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy services, that would be appropriate for a home health agency. Now, talking about hospice, the Medicare criteria in order to qualify for hospice is that the patient must have a prognosis of six months or less should the disease run its natural course. So if that is the prognosis of the patient, then hospice would be an option. Palliative care is very different. I don't even really consider it to be in the same realm as home health and hospice, even though it is a home-based post-acute service. But truly what we provide is uh, case management for chronic disease patients, chronically ill patients. Um, so it's, it's, on an, it's on another spectrum. I mean, we have patients who can still go to work and they can still function in society and they call us when they need us. Oh, and we're, th- yeah, and we're there to help them uh, stay out of the hospital. So with your program, do you, some of it, I guess some of it's telephonic, some of it's in person. Mm-hmm. So you're, you, you're constantly with the patient. It's not like you're admitting them and then quickly discharging like some other services might be. It's possible. It's okay. possible. Uh, our average length of stay is about six and a half months on palliative okay. care. And that's for many different reasons. You know, people, you know, change change their health plans. People move out of state. Some people uh, regain their prior level of functioning. Maybe they're in remission from their serious illness, whatever the case might be. Maybe they have transitioned over to hospice. Okay. Many reasons for patients to uh, disenroll or discharge from our program. But in regards to, um, the, you know, the length of stay, it would really be patients can receive our services ongoing. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is a start and stop to services. We don't admit patients with a goal to end services. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Is there anything else uh, we should know about CAR? We're getting towards the end of today's show and want to make sure you have the opportunity to share everything that CARA does. Yeah, definitely. Well, we've talked a lot about palliative care today, which I think that was a little bit of the focus of our conversation, but that's really one aspect of our company. I mean, truly, we provide a multitude of services, and we also heavily focus on our partnerships with large health systems, with um, physician organizations, in order to seek out what it is they need and how we can help them with their patient population. I mean, everyone is really facing an issue of chronically ill patients and how can we best manage them? And that's really our expertise. Uh, and, and with our automations in the back office, we can really expand, grow, and scale our business. So if anybody's interested in learning more, they can definitely uh, visit our website. So it's cara.health. So that's K-A-R-A dot H-E-A-L-T-H. Um, you can also email me. Uh, it is R-A-V- N-Y-S-S-A dot V-E-R-M-A at Cara dot health. I'm more than happy to answer any questions or if there's any patients that you feel may benefit from our services, please feel free to reach out. 
So yeah, just a shout out to the Verma family and supporters for helping you through this time. Thank you. Yes, I have a wonderful husband who somehow we make it work raising a little baby, but you know, it takes a village. A sassy baby from what I recall earlier. Very sassy. (laughs) (laughs) Anaya, Anaya Verma. That's right. Awesome. Well, hey, Ravnisa, it's been a pleasure being here today. Best wishes to Cara Health on the potential international uh, growth uh, here in the years to come. And again, folks, if you want to hear more about Cara Health, that website, Ravnisa, again, one more time. The website is K-A-R-A dot H-E-A-L-T-H. So it's just Cara dot health. Should be very easy to remember. <laughs> very good. And to reach Ravnisa, she gave her email, but we'll give her one more chance to put out that email for you. Sure. It's Ravnisa dot Verma at Cara dot health. So that is R-A-V-N-Y-S-S-A dot V-E-R M-A at Cara dot health. Very good. Well, thanks, Ravnisa. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode and you want to listen to other episodes of Pop Health Podcast, feel free to check out pophealthpodcast.com. You can find us there or on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks, everybody. Take care.